Gotham, a crazy podcast about DC, with your host E-Rock and PD, when we speak up, get your geeks up, cause you know you about to get geeked up, so sit back, relax, and get comfy, lose your mind like Solomon Grundy, and listen to a show that won't be forgotten, coming straight out of Gotham. Out in the DC universe, welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Gotham. This is episode 19. Wow, 19 episodes. We are a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by the Dadgum Original Batman on Film. I am your co host from the hometown of Tim Howard. I am Peter M. Vera, and today we're recording on November 12th, 2020. And as always, we have a great show for you today, for you today. But before we get into the good stuff, I'd like to remind all of our faithful listeners. That if you take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and we we, we read your review on air, we will mail you a special prize pack. Now, let me introduce you to my co-host, the man who has defeathered the most turkeys in the history of Farmingville, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Eric Holzman. What's going on? How y'all doing? How's everyone? I'm good. Uh, the feathering thing has been rough. Uh, you know, it's 2020, so everything's just even worse. Well, you still hold all the records from 2019. You know, like nothing's really changed. So yeah, but they're not. took a year off. And they're not doing it this year. So I, I've been practicing and it's just, you know, there's a very intricate way you have to defeather a turkey. And I haven't been on my game. So I'm a little bit concerned you know, if I could still do it. But luckily they're not doing it live this year, some kind of virtual thing. I haven't got all the details, but Farmingville is kind of a weird, weird place. So uh, I, they should be sending out the, the news by Turkey sometimes. The news by Turkey. And when the Turkey gets here, then I'll know exactly what I have to that do. That is amazing. That's absolutely <laughs> amazing. Um, we, do have, uh, we do have a winner for our October contest. Yes, so go ahead. So our winner is Adam Padrone. And Adam gave us a five-star review uh, titled Great Chemistry and Knowledgeable and Enthusiastic. Definitely give this podcast a listen. Once you do, you'll be hooked. Both hosts have a totally different personality, but it makes for perfect chemistry, resulting in a funny, endearing podcast experience. Can't wait for the next episode. Smiley sunglass face. So, Adam, we, uh, Adam, we have already reached out to you and... Uh, Adam has his prize pack. He got it. He actually got it today, uh, yeah. which was a signed copy of All-Star Batman number one, signed by Scott Snyder, the legend himself. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty fantastic prize for just, you know, saying a nice, nice few words. Yeah. Thanks to Adam again for saying those nice things about us. Uh, hopefully other people listen and then more people come listen to us. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the first roast. You know, like I'm waiting no. for that one review. That's just good enough to give, like, okay, you, that's, a, that's a good roast. You know, boom, yeah. roasted, Michael Scott style. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that either. I wouldn't mind having someone tear us down a little bit and being, <laughs> yep. seeing how creative they can be doing it. To break us down to build us back up, but um, something like that. But uh, we'll the November ourselves. contest is underway. It's November 12th. We're 12 days in. So, you know, get those reviews out like it's Rotten Tomatoes, kids. Yeah, and I have to give props to Pete. Uh, this was his idea, and he, he gets the, the prizes, so... Sir, good job on by you. Yeah, I, I try to, you know, I try to make it worth your while. Yes. 
you do and you get really good prizes so guys again just give us those reviews and and we'll read them and we'll see which one we like the best again it doesn't have to be a nice one like we say all the time you can rip us apart if it's clever and it's funny and it makes us laugh then you might be the one that wins just be creative that's all you gotta do yeah just be creative so that's the fun part. so talk speaking of being creative we have a creative person with us today who's going Ooh. to who's going to go down the list of topics and then we're going to discuss something um topical for him and his show so <laughs> so without further ado we have the host of the batman book club joining us tonight this is mr ryan lauer ryan he brings his own horse hey guys yeah, I bring my own horn. Nobody else has a horn, so I just toot my own. Doot, doot, you know. <laughs> I'm sure Mara toots your horn. <laughs> hey <laughs> This is SOG After Dark, right? Yes, we are recording after 10, so anything goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, gentlemen, thank you for having me on. I like uh, you both. All right, thanks for being on. Yeah, um, hopefully Pete, you Pete, to, it's, you it's about on my podcast your as show. on yours. Exactly. <laughs> I'm at, so, I'm at, Pete has been on six times. Wow. And it's like six more 30. things in line. I'm like, I'm like, Ryan, I just read this. We're talking about this. And he's like, yeah, well, you're going to have to wait till January. And I'm like, that's fine. Just make sure this is on the list. <laughs> 20% of the Batman book club is Peter Vera. Damn, so I'm just throwing that out there. You gotta, are slacking, Eric. I, mean, I got to get on the show again. Well, like I told you, like I read Paul Herman style. So it's, it's hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Paul again. Uh, good guy we have so lauer uh, yeah. we i wanted to have you on this show specifically because on the batman book club you did uh, this week was batman and teenage mutant ninja turtles theme so yes. so i decided said hey uh since when we recorded the batman on film podcast for the batman vs tmnt movie animated oh. film lauer had a mishap and could not join us so i it said was a dark day. Oh, that's a sin right yeah so i said well why don't we do it on our show you can and we could throw it at the end of the week and you can post it tomorrow because i'm going to have this done by tomorrow so you'll have it and uh you can post it through there and have people hear well, your to, I'll, i'd like to fill in to anybody because i've proudly shouted from the rooftops about that dark dark day and that we were <laughs> i think literally five minutes away from recording the batman there our review on a podcast for the batman teenage mutant ninja turtles movie and my power went out in my building I did not get internet back the rest oh, of wow. the night. So then they had to go without me. You guys waited it out. You tried. You're like, come on, Lauer. But it just wasn't happening. And I said, the, I definitely looked like the Anthony Anderson gif of him on the couch crying. That was me <laughs> that entire night. And I think I even grabbed the disc and I put the disc in and watched it and just kind of cried. Like, I could be talking about this right now. That's funny because that's actually happened to Eric and I, except it was after our podcast. And we were kind of just, you know, goofing around post-show. And then, uh, you know, my power went out and he texts me, goes, what happened? I was like, my power went out. Like, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of happy that it happened after the show. Yeah. Whew, yes. I lucked out. But so who was on that show? I imagine it was Haas. It was me, Haas. Okay. Um, did he Garrett, have, I believe. Garrett. Garrett and then did he bring in uh, Jay Oz? Was it Jay? Or... I feel like Jay Yaws and, Ro and uh, Rob Myers are always in the bullpen ready to go. Was it they Jay? Are. I mean, they are like, yes. It might have been Jay. It might have been Jay. Might have been. It was, what, last year now? So I don't... I'm like... This year is like, with everything that's happened in 2020, last year seems like it was five years ago. <laughs> I feel Matt like Whaley. I, 
Matt Whaley. Oh, yes. Okay. Matt Whaley. Episode Matt 146 Whaley. of the BOF podcast. And yeah, it's, it's not even... Mistaken, Matt it hurts looking Batman it up. Batman Beyond even. for Batman on film. He still might. Yeah. Oh, so... He's a good substitute, but he was not me. Anyways. I, I believe sorry, he's the Matt. co-host of the Azrael podcast. One of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> they got a good following already. Hosted um, by, uh, you know, the curator of the Batman podcast network, uh, Ryan Haas. Brian Haas. Ryan Haas. Shout out to our house, yes. Shout out Central tonight. Just <laughs> anybody who's anybody, if I like you, you've already got a shout out. We've been recording for like three minutes. <laughs> hey, Jim Carrey. Shout out to Jim Carrey. You know, yeah, hey, we, we like your Riddler. That's right. <laughs> and his Biden. All right. So let's just, that's topical so we as well. Politics. We covered everything. Right, so let's, and his cable guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so again, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. Thank I'm you, glad thank you're you. here, Lauer. I'm glad you're going to get a chance to discuss this and give your feelings to the public on this movie uh, and we'll, but we'll get to that we're going to go through some other topics with us because Lauer has graciously decided to join us in this entire show not just the, t- the batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja turtles so everyone opinions nobody cares about she <laughs> <laughs> what's every ryan podcast <laughs> exactly what does ryan think about this let's see all right, so since our last show, and apologies to you guys, it's been a couple weeks uh, since we've actually recorded. So apologies. I've been to you guys. I've been hounding Eric. I'm like, it's been yeah. two weeks. We got to do a show. Yeah, there's been stuff going on, and I've just I really, to be quite honest, I haven't had the energy to do it. But I'm back tonight, and let's get this done now. So, so we'll start. So in the last couple of weeks, we have a few topics we want to go through. So um, I'm going to start with some sad news. Um, we learned, I want to believe it was last week that Ken Spears, the co-creator of Scooby-Doo, has passed away at age 82. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the co-creator with Joe Ruby, and he died from complications related to his um, dementia. So in addition to Scooby-Doo, the duo created Dynamite, Dog Wonder, Jabberjaw. Uh, this show is called Barclays and the Hound Cats. I don't remember these. I'm not that old, so <laughs> I don't remember those. But he did also, they did also have input uh, or for some rebooted um, cartoons like Superman, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the mm-hmm. Mr. T cartoon, Plastic Man, Thunder the Barbarian, and some other shows. So uh, sad news to a guy who brought a, lot of, who brought a lot of enjoyment and, you know, from characters that we love uh, to the cartoon screen. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real bummer because in August, Joe Ruby passed away. Right. So, you know, two titans of the industry who are just, you know, probably two of the greatest animators of all time we've lost. And just the amount of hours that I've spent watching them. I mean, I've watched, I can't, growing up, Scooby-Doo. I mean, who didn't watch Scooby-Doo? Let's be honest. It's true. In any form. And then Alvin and the Chipmunks, they had a big part in that show. Uh, And I, you know, I was a huge Alvin and the Chipmunk fan, actually, as a kid, like, I, I had a lot of Alvin Chipmunk stuff. Like my mom bought me puppets and toys and everything. So like Alvin and the Chipmunks was something that me and my brother watched often and a lot. So like, it's a bummer. And you know, the Ruby Spears animated Superman probably gets lost between Max Fleischer's and, you know, um, uh, Tim. what's his, uh, Bruce Timms, Tim. you know, like, yeah. but it, it's, it's such a great piece of eighties cartoon, you know, like it's, it's amazing. So, and you go back and you watch it and sure it's aided and it's a little goofy, but it's just, I, I will put that on. If I, if I ever have kids, like that'll be one of the first incarnations of the character that they watch, you know? Right. 
And, you know, and, and I mean, let's be honest, like when it came to Scooby-Doo, they really hid all the elements of Gonch <laughs> in that show pretty effortlessly. <laughs> uh, I know <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny when you talk about it, but I was like, good for you guys. Good for you guys. Yep. Yep. Shaggy. Subliminal and... messaging in kids' cartoons. Done yep. properly. Shaggy always being hungry and... Hey, all I know is every time that mystery machine van opened, there was a puff of smoke coming out of the door. And, and I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't like exhaust. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, it's just a bummer because like I said, they're, they probably have inspired every animator that we can think of growing up who, you know, who was delivered. Bruce Tim has to have been inspired by Ruby Spears, it's, you know, clearly. Yeah, and I mean, we're obviously we are lovers of Batman and Scooby-Doo. Batman was on Scooby-Doo. A lot. Numerous times. Yeah. Numerous times. Yeah. So we had that. There's that connection as well. Lauer, Scooby-Doo, what are your, uh, you know, thoughts? Oh, uh, Scooby-Doo is solely responsible for the only time that I had ever missed the school bus. Uh, because <laughs> I kept looking out. I was at the babysitters and right out in front of the tree in the front yard was the bus stop. And Scooby was playing on TNT in the morning before school. And we always watched Scooby-Doo. And I just kept looking. Because it was right towards the end, we're gonna see who who was it. Mm-hmm. Um, the unmasking, and I remember looking, no school bus, and everybody's still out there. And I look, unmasked. I'm like, oh my gosh, I couldn't see that coming. And then I looked again, and everybody was gone. That's so I was like, oh shit. Now it's the only time I missed the school bus. And the babysitter freaked out because she's like, I got to take you to school, but I'm supposed to be here with a bunch of kids still that don't go to school. And it was a whole thing. So thank you, Scooby Doo. But I mean. <laughs> I loved Scooby-Doo growing up. I love Scooby-Doo now. The old cartoons, the animation's great. But, I mean, you could almost argue he's just as popular now as he was then because it's spitting out uh, straight yeah. to straight to uh, release movies. Like the recent one that just came out, like Scooby-Doo. Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo, which was awesome. And especially with, like, in those ones now, are like they're almost, like, con- they're contemporary in bringing in other Warner characters dipping into like cross characters and stuff like the happy Halloween one had Elvira, Bill Nye and Jonathan Crane. What? I watched it on Halloween. It was awesome. Um, like also like, like Charles Roven produced, I believe the two live action Scooby-Doo movies with Matthew Lillard and Freddie Frisch Jr. And they, I believe they were written by James Gunn. So yeah, you know, fanboys unite because yeah, <laughs> our producers and our directors are so i mean that's a, that's just kind of the the influence that you were talking about pete um maybe more than just animators you know uh the reach is it's it's uh what do you want to say it's expanded its reach into everything so scooby-doo is not going away anytime soon he's just kind of evolved because there's still series i didn't even know existed that are like mm-hmm. on netflix and stuff too including one that uh brought in batman uh, voiced by Kevin Conroy, and they had the Joker pop up, voiced by Mark Hamill. Like mm-hmm. those, right. like so. I don't know. It's just still very relevant, and Scooby will last for a long time. So, uh, I mean, eighty-two is a good run. So, Bravo! He accomplished something that a lot of people don't in those years, creating a character that will last forever. Yeah, I mean, um, Scooby's is like but rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you guys ever wondered was a Scooby snack? A dog treat, or was it just like a snack? Like, man, I don't know because Shaggy's the only one that ate them. Yeah, you know, there was only three. It was Scooby, Shaggy, (laughs) and occasionally Scrappy, right? Scrappy, yeah. That goes back to the ganja thing, right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. You know, 
I don't know if I've ever wanted to eat a milk bone. <laughs> I think they were universal treats. I think. They oh, they have them out treats. now. They're uh, they're uh, graham crackers. Yeah, with uh, okay. cinnamon sugar on them now. Oh, I right doubt that's alley. what they were then, but I know, right? Right um, up my alley too. Should they're be good, me? dude. Yeah, Shaggy good. and Scooby had probably some of the greatest animated submarine sandwiches you could ever <laughs> want to eat. That is such a good point. That is <laughs> a know, very like, good point. Yes, I've never really realized that like oh you put the toothpick in the sandwich on top and then there's an olive on top and it's like wonder <laughs> how wide can we really expand our mouths to fit a sandwich like how big of a sandwich can we actually eat yeah thank you shaggy and scooby so in I, I, still, land. I still watch it i still love it the series is on hbo max i've like said i've put it on at times and like you know you need comfortable viewing i need a tv on to fall asleep and Me i like too. to put on something comfortable and uh, Scooby's one. I've done it a couple times already. Yeah, I hear you. So Yeah, so, I mean, again, chalk another one up to 2020. We lost both of them this year, like Pete said. So, I mean, but it's, again, they created this character and there's these characters that are, they're, you know, will live forever. So they're, they have left everyone, I think, I think when everyone passes away, they wonder what their legacy will be. And these guys have a pretty good one. So That's a good yeah, one. They do. Yeah. So rest in peace to Ken Spears. And thank you for all you've given us, all you gave us. Yeah. All right. So I moving agree. right along, uh, we got some news from DC Comics this week as well. So Marie Yavins, or Javins, I'm not sure, Javins, however you say her name. Sorry, was, Marie. <laughs> yes, sorry, Marie. She was named the new editor-in-chief of DC Comics. And uh, Don Cherry, the senior vice president and general manager of DC, um, made a statement, said Marie intrinsically understands the power of comics and their unique ability to entertain and empower, which makes her a perfect choice to be DC's next editor-in-chief. In addition to her many creative talents, she also, she's also incredibly committed to increasing access to this amazing industry by mentoring the next generation of comic book creators and helping them find their voices. I look forward to working with her in her new role. And prior to her promotion, she was actually the executive editor of the Global Publishing and Digital Strategy, Strategy Group, where she edited um, such titles as Justice League, DC Superhero Girls, Exit Stage Left, The Snaggle Plus Chronicles, which I've never heard of, Superman Smashes the Exit Clan. Exit Stage Left. <laughs> Superman Smashes the Clan, Harley Quinn Breaking Glass, and Dark Knight's Death Metal. Ooh. So... Hey, look, if you're going to be an editor on Dark Knight's Death Metal, just bravo, because that is a lot of content. That's yeah. an insane it's amount of, of content. And, uh, you know, uh, just the, I know it's been a little rough for DC. They've gone through two rounds of layoffs, so this was right. kind of positive. And a lot of the creatives were floored for this. They were overjoyous. Tom Taylor, Doc Shaner. Uh, I mean, anyone who's anyone who has written for DC seemed to really champion this selection. And it seems like it's well worth it. I feel like that's encouraging that that's encouraging news. Cause that, of yeah. course, like the, the cynic could be like, well, of course they're doing that. It's job security or something. It's like, no, they actually said something positive on their own. If mm -hmm. they didn't think it was a good move, they didn't have to put out anything. Right, and right. nobody would have said, Oh, did you hear this person? They put down. No, they just didn't say anything, which mm -hmm. is fine. There's a lot of um, talent that didn't put stuff out, but the names of some that did makes it feel um, encouraging considering the state that, uh, that I think comic fans were like a little on edge because there's kind of been a lot of rumors for a while now of comics, you know, like AT&T doesn't, doesn't care about actual right. comic books and altering release of stuff like, and stuff like that. But it was kind of encouraging, uh, 
I told both of you guys that, um, and then I also did on the Twitter that I reread The Long Halloween with the first printing single issues that were released in the 90s. And mm. in, in the back of every single issue was uh, question Q&As. Um, and Jeff Loeb answered them. And if he didn't, Archie Goodwin did, and Tim Sale did and stuff. And what constantly oh, came up those. then, what constantly came in then was people's fears that the comic book landscape is changing. And I hope we'll... I hope we'll have them in five years. Like that was just the kind of recurring theme. Yeah. So this, so though we now sit and we're like, oh, are the comics going away? It's like 25 years ago, they were saying the same thing. So I guess in a roundabout way of kind of like, I hope this is good news. It sounds like it's good news. So um, yeah, cool. it seems like, you know, everyone's been saying print is dead for a while. And maybe with the rise of the digital era, the streaming era, things seem to be a little bit more in question than they have in the past, but just the outpouring of creative support really seems to this to be in like an encouraging scenario. And, you know, like I said earlier, if you can be an editor on dark nights, then I'm, you know, obviously she can handle future state. I know it's only two months, but there, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was wondering, especially for you guys, again, you guys read comics much more avidly than I do. I was wondering, if the, <laughs> I was wondering if the fact that she has both, a lot of her experience experience is with the digital side. If that, worried you guys at all that you know because it's, we again we've been hearing like you said we've been hearing that uh the, the prints might be going away mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if this move to her would make you guys think well See, maybe i don't look at it as like she's pushing the digital agenda as much as it's handling content making sure it's published smoothly making sure there's no delays just making sure everything just goes off without a hit that's how i took it Okay. I mean, I could be totally wrong because I don't know anything. I don't have any connections. I'm a nobody. You know, I'm just a. Hey, you're not nobody. You're Jersey's finest. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. I, I'm look. I'm probably the second best like Batman fan in the state behind Mr. Uslan. Like, I'm okay, just, there you go. You know, you I'll go. toot my own horn there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, like I, I, I didn't take it as you know pushing uh, the digital agenda as much as she can just she could handle uh, you know distribution and just you know pete and i are in the same boat as far as we love comics pete is an avid singles collector and i hold off for trades because it's a, a space thing i find value in digital but if i like something enough i want a hard right. copy and in that case that's when i'll go and get the trade hardcover or soft cover or something so for me it's kind of like if if she is gonna push it to the digital age, like, sorry, that does make sense though. Right. The to expand in that regard of it, it's just I get in trouble all the time of like how easy it is to just buy something now, you know. And if yeah, if true. they're gonna push that focus of like, well, all you gotta do is just push a button, and that issue is downloaded on your iPad. It's like, well, a lot of people are gonna be like, well, sweet, I'm just gonna sit here in my sweatpants then and just hit rather than get around, get dressed and go to yeah. a comic shop. And I'm oh, sorry God. for comic oh. shop workers. How could you say um, that? I mean, some people still go there in their sweatpants. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> like, sorry for comic shop workers, but I mean, they're not blind to that either. You know, in, uh, I can see the, if you're business minded and thinking that way, I can see why they would push, push digital. We're in right. a digital age. So like, if that's the way she goes, like, I guess as long as I don't know, like what we want them to keep pushing print and the uh, amount of fans stays, you know, smaller 
or push digital that reaches you know a wider audience like that's kind of the future of the characters right yeah does that make sense yeah i'd like to think they can play in both worlds I yeah. Think the, yeah, and I hope so. That's what I want. I mean, even though I don't buy every single single issue, I still I bought freaking of a three issue story, three jokers. I bought nine. Like, right? Yeah. I was in the comic shop and I loved having the the floppies in my hand. So I'm still a fan of that for sure. And right. like, I mean, I'll say like, there's I love the comic shop experience. I mean, mm-hmm. today I, I bought Batman uh, three thirty. You know, like I love looking through back issues and price books and seeing, you know, things that I don't have and knowing how much I like seeing a book that I have in my own collection and knowing how much it's worth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I kind of, you know, I use sometimes my store as, you know, my appraiser. <laughs> well, you're definitely, Pete, you are definitely a collector. So like, there's no, so uh, yeah. I understand your point of view hundred percent. And I agree. Like I, I'm not a collector. I read the titles I want to read. But I also have always preferred, no matter what it is, I prefer reading a book in my hand, an actual physical copy of something. I've always preferred that. But I also understand, like Laura was saying, the the monetary and um, side of this as well. And I mean, it's a lot easier to push something as a digital copy where you're paying maybe six, seven dollars for it as opposed to paying more. Um, and especially now, like, I mean, like Garrett is prime example, like his local comic shop closed. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he bought a couple of books from mine and he's getting mailed over. So it's like the pandemic hit and that kind of changed. Yeah. His course. And I've said it before, like, I don't know how many comic shops are in Anchorage, Alaska, That's you know, true, yeah. or how many comic shops are in Nebraska, how many comic shops are in Montana. Like I live in, you know, the East coast, greater Northeast. And it's like, it's densely populated and there's, yep. there are these things. And I'm sure Justin as well in California, he has his own comic shop and everything, but there are certain areas. Um, I don't know what it's like in Alabama, you know, right? rural parts of that state. Yeah. And it seems like she's going to have a big hand in a lot of this stuff. Like it can, the article continues to say she's going to be working with Jim Lee and obviously with mm-hmm. Cherry uh, to, to um, define the positioning, to character narratives, um, talent, who they get to bring in to write and draw. Mm-hmm. So she's going to have a large uh, role in whatever they do going forward. So, And you listed off things that were highly successful. Dark Knight Metal is very successful. Superman versus the Klan, very successful. DC Superhero Girls, huge. And, th- you know, yeah. that's... Did that's you read Snagglepuss? That's the first time I've heard of it. So, But I would imagine <laughs> it's just uh, her resume is very impressive. So uh, well-earned, well done. And, yeah. You know, yeah. I- I'm if excited. she can make Snagglepuss work, she's yeah. got this. She's got <laughs> I this. I guess. Yeah, I think it's a good sign. I think overall is a good sign. So, you know, and like I said, everyone's very happy about this. So like, yeah, he seems to be someone who is well respected within the DC ranks. And it just seems like everyone is just very overjoyous. And like I said, she really deserves this opportunity. So speaking of happy being happy. uh, Happy Hogan. (laughs) There was an article (laughs) in French Vanity Fair with Robert Pattinson, and he talks oui, a little oui. bit. He talks a little bit more about playing Bruce Wayne and playing Batman. So I'm going to read a couple of the quotes from the from the interview. Eric, before you do this, Eric literally read the. He translated it and read it to me like I was John Peters laying on a couch listening to a script. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that like he put on a little French maid outfit and read it to you in French. Oh gee, no, he didn't go that far. <laughs> Next time, maybe. So they asked him the typical question, like, how are you approaching playing the role? So he's the, he said, to start um, with the Batman, I'm using things at the moment that seem fragile compared to the importance of the project. 
conversations I've had with close friends, embryos of dreams. This is the secret and sensitive part of the actor facing the heaviness of the project. On The Batman, he mentions Tenet. Also, a gigantic team of technicians surround you and surround you. And when you say, let's go, Robert, action, you have to forget the mass of people and play in front of your own thoughts, your own demons. I thought when I read that, that's the first quote. When I read that part about with the demons and then embryos of dreams, this guy is a different guy i think we could all agree right like he's a, yeah like like right out of the pages of a grant morrison batman right? of, what are you talking about dude? right confused already but if he's going that deep and i guess methodical like sure bring it out like he seems to be like an actor first you know he's not a name that a lot of people i see i feel like are that familiar with outside of twilight so his career has changed and he's really right. gone for the more the smaller roles and the and the you know for the the character i guess character study type roles yeah so, i think i think he's a pro- that's how he's approaching this one i mm-hmm. think he's approaching it as more of a character study to Which play gives and, me vibes of phoenix's joker you know he's kind of taking it in, a, in yeah. a different way yeah that's fair he's not looking at it as like an action role so he elaborates a little more he says yes he has i have an actor's excitement to face the tension of the set the inordinate inordinate expectations of all these people and to transform it into a dialogue between me and myself it's an exciting and horrible feeling to be that little shit who risks planting all the heavy artillery, all that war infrastructure because she wasn't able to go and get it. I think about that a few days before a shoot. So Pete, I've been like, I, when I read those first two and I went a little further in it, do you have a better reading it? I have a little bit better understanding of what kind of Batman we're going to get. And I think you just touched on that a little bit. So do you have now uh, and putting it together with obviously the trailer that we saw, do you kind of have a, a yeah, where they're going. I mean, there's clearly like I feel like something going on in his head. He's trying to play like almost like a duality type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be, I feel like this will be almost more in line with what we got from Keaton, just kind of playing, you know, the a, a darker like kind of mysterious but like kind of mentally ill figure, right? Like Kilmer wasn't like that. Clooney sure, certainly wasn't. Right. Uh, Affleck, I guess Affleck kind of teetered that a little bit. But and I don't I didn't really see too much of that in Bale, but this seemed to be this seems like very heavy and emotionally driven. Right. So he goes on to talk more about playing the ambiguity and the duality of the character. Uh, Lauer, with that in mind, when you think about all the Batman that we've had, who do you think has handled the the duality of the role the best? Christian Bale. Okay. I kind Why? of felt, I mean, if we just want to reverse order, so last, the last one to suit up was Affleck. I kind of, we saw just a little hint of it. I don't feel that's, that's measurable enough because yeah. it's like Affleck needed his own solo Batman movie and then right. we could kind of fairly judge, I think, and compare. Uh, but for what we've gotten, I didn't see as big of a difference with his duality as I did with Bale. Prior to Bale was Clooney and I didn't see a difference at all. Kilmer, not much of of a difference. It was cut. Keaton. <laughs> Keaton, even I didn't see that. I didn't see such a massive difference between his handling of the two. You know, uh, and that's not like saying that's not meant to be negative at all. Because as you both know, of like I love Keaton as Batman, but uh, I think Bale did it like wonderfully. Uh, I just don't think he had a, the story did not make him approach like he has inner demons. And by what Reeves have said, has said, 
Um, I haven't been able to code patents in of what the hell he's talking about. So that says that speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. And then Reeves of Eden has even said of like uh, Batman ego played a part like right. as a reference material for his interpretation. And that if you've read it, there's an inner demon, a duality struggle uh, that that definitely it just makes sense to what you guys have already said of Pattinson. He made his Twilight money. He's a smart man. Now he's like, I can do whatever the hell I want the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So he's going to choose what roles. Mm -hmm. He didn't need this. Something about it reeled him in. And it totally makes sense of like, oh, this is a character piece. You get to go places emotionally, which is just candy for a true actor, which right. he is. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's like, as uh, Mountain Dew on top, he gets to suit up as Batman and beat the shit out of people. So yeah. like, it's, it's really, it's got me excited. And then of course the trailer got me really excited, but the fact of like, we just don't, we don't have anything figured out. And if somebody thinks they have this movie figured out, they do not. They don't know what he's going to do. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for it. And then hearing like this stuff too, is kind of like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't know, but I like it. Yeah. I'm with you. Like I always, I felt like Affleck was, he, oh, he was playing more Batman than Bruce Wayne. I feel like he was more Batman throughout the whole, even when he was Bruce Wayne, I felt like he was always Batman, you know? Them shoes um, is kind of the only comment that stands out. I like them shoes. Uh, um, those shoes is the only part that stands out to me is like oh there's his bruce wayne persona um, and then back to batman that's yeah, all yeah. going back like bale never had i feel like bale's de bale didn't have the demons i think yeah he had like his agenda and he had his motives and he had like his his journey i i, I always felt that keaton had the demons you know okay. well, yeah, just especially in 89 just yeah. he, he he like i said it was almost like he was kind of mentally ill you know, there were, he was kind of, even as Batman, though, he was, he was very, he seemed like a very disturbed person. And yeah. he, that's kind of how Keaton approached a role, like, you know, no sane person would, would do this. You know, like, you have to be a little insane. You have to be a little disturbed to kind of put on that suit and go about it. And, you know, yeah. I think Kilmer, Kilmer, there's stuff in there on the cutting room floor for Kilmer yeah. that we haven't seen. And then Clooney is just straight up 66. You know, and Schumacher said that himself, like... Well, I, I didn't want to make a Batman. He's like, I've kind of felt like people were, were t over the, the Batman brooding over his dead parents. Like at some point, like Schumacher thought he could kind of move on just a little bit. And there were a lot of other things wrong with that movie, but you know, I think Schumacher kind of strayed away from that aspect. I think Kilmer's probably the one, the most, the closest that I think with the, the whole duality thing, just because, uh, you know, like the whole, at the end, when the Joker's like, can the Bruce Wayne and Batman co... I mean, not the Joker, the Riddler. Can Bruce Wayne and Batman coexist? Mm -hmm. And then he has the whole um, flashback scene when he's with Chase. Like, you, you see the demons there for a little bit, at least. Like, you have that little... And I think he's the one that, um, after... Uh, of, of the other Batman, that, to me, showed the duality the most. Bale, again, you're right. That's, it's, it's a very good good um choice as well i mean he definitely the, a lot of people will tell you that that was a bruce wayne story so obviously if you if you're going along the, that road uh definitely i can see that but i think those are the two i mean in forever he quit being batman for a period right you yeah know, like yeah. in the movie and then you know and then this was cut like he goes out he goes into the cave he faces the bat right. and he comes back i am batman um so again like it's, it's a shame because i have to be yeah, because I, I choose to be. So if AT&T <laughs> could release that Schumacher cut, that'd be great. Uh-oh, there we go. 
TNT, they know drama and they're looking for it. They, <laughs> they tweeted it out there. Okay. They're looking. All right. So it's, I'm again, the more stuff we get about uh, Pattinson's Batman for me, at least uh, I get more and more intrigued. So, Definitely. There's, so not, I, there's not one thing I'm, well, well venom tongue there. There's not <laughs> one thing I'm not ex- excited for. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, thank God this is an audio program. <laughs> <laughs> um, that really broke my train of thought. Uh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No problem. So we're going to move along to uh, everyone's favorite uh, director. We got some more Zack Snyder stuff. Uh, well, at least part of um, something from him that people were are a little excited about. And I well, know... Kind of a few things, actually. He kinda... Well, yeah, that's true. A few things. So, and uh, I know, Pete, you did a little bit more research on this, so <laughs> we'll just continue. So, Catwoman, apparently, uh, during a live stream chat with the Nerds Queen podcast, or the Nerds Queen show, uh, there was a, Zack Snyder apparently teased that a Catwoman could be a part of the Snyderverse, his, his Batman universe. Um, so, Pete, you watched, you watched it. What did you glean from that? What did you get from that? Uh, yeah, so Zach was on the League of, I think it's the League of Mayhem. I think that's what the, the name of the show is. Okay. Um, and yeah, so basically, you know, it, they were just interacting and they, they mentioned the girl who played the Elder uh, Silk Spectre in Flashbacks. How do you pronounce her name? Because I'm not Carly gonna... Gugino. Yes. Carly Gugino. Uh, and he mentioned that she would be um, a good candidate. Like, it was kind of like a fan cast moment. Mm-hmm. And Zach agreed. Like, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's great. And did, uh, did he come out and say that, or did one of the no, no, uh, it was it was like asked. a fan cast. They, they, the hosts were like, Oh, what do you think about this? Like, we think she would be good. And he goes, He's okay. like, Yeah, that's good. She's kind of older, she would fit in with that Batman. And uh, he thought it was he thought it was a good idea. And he, he's a big fan of her work, obviously, of Carla's work. And uh, you know, then later on in Vero, he teased a, a Jim Lee image of Batcat. Right. Which for, when I saw that when I was scrolling through, I was like, "Ooh, Tom King's Batman!" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh wait, no, that's 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 not uh, uh that's Jim Lee." <laughs> but uh, and it's Zack Snyder, so I was like, I got totally fooled by that because I'm anxiously waiting that story. Well, that is the the issue number Batman number fifty alternate cover. You know that, right? The variant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. So the article. Leo the gets. Okay. 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 The article on Screen Rant goes on to say that um, he shared different ideas about what their backstory could be. Was yeah. that was part of it? All right. Yeah, it was like he mentioned like at one point like there there's the, the, obviously that whole Batman Catwoman conflict. Like, does he does he bring her in? He caught her in a crime. He lets her go, and it's it's kind of jaded, and it, it leads, you know, just the the many just choices of the Affleck Batman that we you know that we don't know about, but that kind of formed his character before we see him in BVS, and it explains why he's you know taking the painkillers and and just kind of that rugged rigid batman that he played and it was cool like i mean and i'm all for it like i love batcat like okay look i mean we all know the number one batcat fan out there is jordan valdez wherever you are jordan yeah. we miss you yes. miss you miss you jordan you know, so like i said shout I'm, out to jordan valdez right <laughs> shout out to jordan valdez wherever you are you fell off the face of the earth but you know I, I'm, I'm actually waiting uh to see them in in the batman um in the tom king storyline uh the black label book i'm actually waiting for that and if something happens, if she makes a cameo in the Snyder Cut, you know, I mean, everyone else seems to be popping up in the Snyder Cut. You know, Zach also teased uh, a concept. I, I'm going to take it as concept art. He said it was a rough drawing of what Martian Manhunter looks like in the stream. So that was interesting. And uh, that was another thing he teased there. So, you know, if she pops up, great. I mean, I'd love to see it. How cool would it be to see Leto, Affleck, and Carla in, in a scene just, you know, 
doing some crazy stuff at jewelry jewelry heist gone wrong or or who knows but uh it, i'd be interested yeah i think the biggest glean i could take from all of these things happening uh is that and we've we obviously know this for a while is that whatever we were going to get that's nowhere that's that's gone like that there's obviously going to be elements of obvi- whatever he did originally mm-hmm. but this thing has taken on a new life and a new life of its own yeah i mean when he when they said they were doing a week of extra photography uh, additional photography with 70 million dollars i was like oh cool like he's just gonna make each episode have an ending i was like I, I, that's how i took it you know without any insider information but like i was like this is something that this is i don't know he may this may be more than 70 million who knows with this thing like basically anything you know about the snyder cut just forget and just wait for it to come <laughs> out because we're not we're not getting that movie that everyone wanted and we're, it's it's taken on a, a life of its own it definitely it's, has. It's miniseries. It's not even the Snyder Cut anymore. It's a, it's, oh. a, it's a miniseries. Lauer, you like this idea, Catwoman? You want to see uh, an older version of the character? So, well, so way back, I think it was episode three of SOG, uh, is when we talked about the Snyder Cut. Yes, we did. We laid it all out there, and then like two days later it was announced that the yeah. Snyder cut was coming. So and then there was episode but, four. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I laid it all out then of like, of like, I'm a Zack Snyder fan. I like base mostly like 80% of everything that he's done. Um, and I wanted to see if I was going to get his justice league, I wanted it something that was finished. And the whole Carlo Gugino, uh, casting was just rumored way back when yeah, Affleck up, was did. cast. Yeah, like people were just like, before. look at she works with Snyder, if nobody remembers. Okay, Watchmen. She also was in Sucker Punch. She mm. was the the voice of the ship in uh Man of Steel and uh BBS. Mm. So he keeps pulling almost like, like from the Watchmen universe. Yeah, yeah, he keeps pulling people from Watchmen to show up in some regard in his movies and she's one of them. Right. I have no problem with that because I like her. Uh, and I thought, man, that whoever first thought of it, um, I, I like that casting. It matches up really well with Affleck, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, of course, I'd be all for that idea. It's just that fans are annoying. <laughs> because I don't know how many things I saw. They're like, Zack Snyder wants Carla Gugino as Cat- Catwoman's yeah. going to be in the snap and all this shit, in which we should be so used to it by now, except you have people that are not in this circle looking it up all the time like we are, who's, right. just, who's just like common browser of the internet and somehow comes across a nerd and he's like, oh, okay, I saw that the Catwoman's going to be in this thing. I don't understand. It's, well, it's, no, that somebody's that. saying, and like, like I asked and you said even one of, it was a fan cast. So, hey, what do you think? Yeah. Of course, Snyder's going to say, hell yeah, she'd be great as Catwoman. That's my friend. I'm a big right. fan of her work. Like, that's a perfect fit. That <laughs> does not mean he has plans. I'm not saying that I know that she's not going to be in as Catwoman. How, who knows? Like maybe secretly he, he told them before the meeting, Hey, ask me about Carla. Um, <laughs> it's, but it's just kind of like, it's almost like Zack Snyder yeah. can be like, "Uh Oh, I just farted. And everybody's like, Oh my God. Zack well, Snyder. Piggybacking off of that. Like uh, literally last night I was talking to a friend of SOG, Andy Luca. And he tells me, he's like, he's, he's like, Oh man, like there's just so many, and he's like because he's been following batman on film for a while now and he goes like i just batman just pops up on my google feed and he goes there's so many dumb headlines i was like yep 
there you go, man. Like that, that there's a lot, and we've covered this too. Like, yeah. you know, when, when, you know, uh, the, the turd website was posting dumb article after dumb article. Um, and we were just like, be careful where you get your news because you know, a lot of people yeah. just are, they're going to write a headline and they're going to, mm-hmm. and, and they're just going to run with it because you know, they know that you're going to click and yeah. it's, you got to be weary because that's all they care about. And, and it's, it, it no works. One, everyone wants your clicks. But it's yeah. like only give it to people who, or websites that are worthy. Even if you don't like their opinion, their track record speaks for themselves in certain areas. And you know what websites to trust and not really. I can't tell you how many times I get a text from someone with a, with a link of cosmic, from Cosmic Book News. And I'm like, no, it, or just get rid of that website. It's, you, so it's worthless. It's I've just worthless. blocked your phone number. Yeah. But to, <laughs> like, without that long them the long rant that I just had though, Eric, to simply answer your question. It's like, well, yeah, I, I'd like, sure. If that's what, if that's what you decided, like I'm going to put Catwoman in and I don't know how much screen time, maybe one shot, maybe five minutes, who knows? And it's going to be Carla. I'd be like, sweet. I'm game. And don't forget like Patrick Wilson was the voice of the president in BVS. That's right. The Watchmen alum who eventually came into the DCU as uh, ocean master. So, yes. you know, yeah. I am. Uh, Zach man. likes his people, and that's great because you know he's got an eye for talent. Billy Crudup, um, mm-hmm. pulled from Watchmen, was cast as uh, Mr. Allen himself. Yep. I mean, and they're probably more in some, but just off the top of my head, some of the you know, like those are some go tos. Oh, uh, oh my I mean, gosh, Hallelujah! He used it for the his comedian. trailer. It was in Watchmen. You know, Jeffrey like, Dean Morgan. Jeffrey yeah, yeah, Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne, like. Yeah. The guy likes pulling yeah. from Watchmen, and I mean, no problem with that either, because that's a great. I mean, we see it. We see it with a lot of directors. Movie, but... We see it with a lot of directors, like yes. Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt with Nolan, right? He's been in mm-hmm. Tom Hardy, like Michael Caine. Yeah, Michael like, Caine. Michael Caine, like we had these. Obviously, when a director is comfortable working with actors, they're gonna go back to them yeah. if they have something. I would love it, um, just because I that relationship is just so, always so good. Batman and Catwoman's mm-hmm. relationship was always mm-hmm. so good. So I would love it if we got an the older version of it. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. I, hope- I mean I mean and it's cool because we're gonna get in Batman Returns, it was a fresh relationship. We're gonna get a fresh relationship in the Batman. Yep. You know, a really um, fresh one. <laughs> we got yes. we got an older established relationship in the uh and the return of the Capers Crusaders and Batman vs. Two Face. Like that was kind of cool. You know, you had that older existing relationship. Uh so it, it's cool to get all different sorts of angles from this. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to if they do do it. I don't think they're going to. Again, it sounds like from you told yeah. me from the article that they were just, he was just kind of spitballing because they put it out there. So he was just kind of going, because he seems like a guy who has his story in mind before and he just sticks to what he wants to do. But the fact that he entertained it, he entertained it as well means who knows? This thing is evolving, it seems like weekly. None of us so. know shit. That's the truth. <laughs> all I know is it's coming it out in 2021. That's, that's all, all that's we right. know, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So and I'm pumped for it because I mean, like Lauer, I love me some Batfleck. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So from one right. DC woman, we'll go to another DC woman, and this one's a little wonderful. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, so tonight a couple hours before we started recording variety put breaking out an article news. yeah so this is kind of breaking news guys so variety put out an article once again talking about wonder woman 84 and they gave two options now they're saying should they release it on hbo max on december 25th which was the original um theatrical release date or push it back to summer 21 2021 
Now, obviously, this has to do with COVID. And as we know, the cases in the United States are on the rise. Really? So, um, yeah. So Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. The United States is sick. <laughs> yeah. So, it, obviously, this movie, because of the popularity of the character and for of Gal Gadot, who's become super popular from playing Wonder Woman, this would do wonders for, haha, wonders for, uh, <laughs> for the HBO Max subscriber, so, you know, subscription service, right? People mm-hmm. would probably buy it to, to see the film. So I, I'll go first because I don't want yeah. this to happen. I'm a theatrical release guy. This movie was intended to be seen on a big screen. I've been to the movies twice since, since they've reopened here in New York, and I've seen the trailer on the big screen now twice. And I want to see this movie in a movie theater. That's my opinion. That's where I'm going I with it. I think we all do. I don't right? think there's anybody here yeah. who doesn't want to. But for the from the financial side of it, and for growing H, uh, sorry, expanding HBO Max, I can see that too. Um, so we've had this discussion before. I just want your guys really quick. Give me your quick takes uh, on it. Uh, what you think they should do so- and. To you know. me, this screams they don't know what to do. Right. They're, they're really vesting both options, and I think they're going to let the fans and social media dictate what happens here. I think that's why they put it out there, because they're right. going to gauge the reaction on social media. And look, as much as I want to see this movie in the theater, I just want to see it. So if that means, and that's, like, let's not forget, like Regal closed down all their theaters in the States. Yep. So as far as I know, Lowe's is the only thing opened. Um, AMC, so if, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. And it was Lowe's at one point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if that means I have to watch on HBO Max, like I know Patty Jenkins is against it, but like I also think that the more they delay this, the longer that they delay, if it is a huge financial success, Wonder Woman 3, you know, and the longer that this gets put off, if we have to wait till 2022 to see this, when does Wonder Woman 3 start production? And I, you know, I, I, and I think this movie is going to be a huge hit financially, critically. I think everyone's going to love it. Right. I think the brain trust behind this film is, is just pure genius. So I, I know we're going to get the Wonder Woman 3 movie. I just would rather have it sooner than later. So I would rather just get this on HBO Max and kind of get it over with just so I can see it. That's me. I, I'm, t- I'm tired of waiting and I want to see something. And I, I'm bummed out because I didn't, I'm, I'm too paranoid. My anxiety kicks in and I didn't go see Tenet. And I feel bad. And I'm sorry, Chris, Mr. Nolan. I really am. Trust me on this one. I did see it. Trust me on this one. You'd go see it and you'd leave saying, I don't know what the hell I just saw. So you're going to have to see it again anyway. Okay. So trust me, it's, it, that one's not that big a loss. Um, but, but Lauer. But then again, I also didn't buy Mulan on, you know. I did and I mm-hmm. liked it. So Okay. But then again, I don't care about Mulan. So it's not exactly. like I care about. Right. So okay, Lauer, you're you heard us. I'm, now you react I'm gonna to t- us. I'm gonna try and be quick, but I mean, there's a lot of layers to this. So we'll jump first up to the the fact of was it eight, some higher up at, with AT and T the other day when it was mentioned of Warner Brothers layoffs. Basically, it kind of said like we're restructuring for the focus on streaming. Yep. That's uh, true. And so the 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 variety article i believe they did not receive a comment except the fact of this will be in theaters the idea is theaters is in it's going to open on christmas and then go to hbo max in january or summer theaters and then we'll see in which then they don't know what to do with summer wise which i found this to be hilarious june in which they'd have to postpone conjuring three which is a money maker 
or July. I love Conjuring. The Space Jam sequel with LeBron James. Gee, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, but I think with the focus being on streaming, yes, we all want to see it in a theater. I just don't think people aren't going to go in, in December. We're talking six weeks right. from now. Right. People aren't going to a theater. No. I, like, Especially what, since the government's telling everyone, let's stay away from everybody on Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know? like I just we're not. I just don't feel us having such a dramatic shift by December, and then they're going into their fifth postponement of the movie. And P, I never thought of it and never heard it anywhere except for you from you first. So this is all credit to Peter Vera on the effects for Wonder Woman three. Then the longer that you go, like that just yeah. makes total sense of like you know what a lot of studios are losing out on on movies, and I know these big blockbusters are they pave the way for the smaller movies. Um, but like, you know what, let's, you need to draw for HBO max. Wonder Woman's going to do it. And so it's even weirder because, you know, Patty says like Wonder Woman three is her final Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. Like, so I'm sure she's working on it now to be brutally honest. Like I just, what else? It's like James Gunn wrote Peacemaker during the pandemic. Like I'm sure Patty, Wonder yeah. Woman should have came out like, I feel like a year ago. So she's kind of mm -hmm. having an idea. Originally, it was supposed head. to. Originally yeah. So yeah. Like, yeah. She obviously has the story. It just keeps getting delayed because what are you going to do? Release them back to back in theaters? <laughs> there's know. no, by them postponing yet again, there's just no guarantee. There's no guarantee, period, except for now because hindsight's 2020. There was a guarantee last Aha! November they were going to make a ton of money. Ha, I didn't try. <laughs> he didn't get his own joke. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was like, what are you talking about? Um, that like they would have gotten the money they were banking on if they had just released it when they set the first day of November of twenty. Yeah. What is the original reason for the postponement before the virus? Like, what was that reason for? The 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 positioning, positioning because yeah. it was going to be a busy November, yeah. um, and then Position. into because it was going to be busy because okay. uh, like three weeks later was Frozen two, and then Star Wars, which was coming up in December, and I know there's another one I'm forgetting. Um, that they just felt like, let's go June, let's go summer blockbuster. And which, of course, that totally made sense. But now it's like, oh, but like. <laughs> but then there's other gonna, summer blockbuster movies. Just, so like, that doesn't even make sense to me. Like, ever since Disney started putting Star Wars out in December, like, there, there's no like tentpole season. It's just release yeah, the film. So, January like, I feel is like not they're a being too cute. January is not. That's kind of the only month that kind March of. March like, has become one, though. March has become a big one. Yeah. Um, Joker. So. Movie. Yeah. tons of money in october yeah. and that's not like a huge and so i just kind of think no they they just aren't gonna there's no guarantee they're gonna make the money that they were expecting this one to make they're like as far as they know there there aren't gonna be theaters i don't believe this there may not be theaters come next summer like so it's almost like the business model is we need to boost let's try it on christmas if we can make some kind of little bit of money and then yeah, throw it on HBO max. Cause that's our future is the streaming service. Like, I think that is almost their best bet because otherwise they're waiting and gambling on the summer and then maybe have to postpone again yeah. in which how long do you wait until like general audience remembers? Oh yeah. Wonder woman. You well, know, I think you just put think, your commercials out in your ass. Yeah. And people I, remember. I, I think I know, the, yeah. the Doritos bags have been out for like months, <laughs> but uh, you know you got to bite the bullet on some of that stuff. I think she's a big enough name that people will go regardless. I, I think she's, she's a star. one. Yeah, I'm, I think. Sorry, I don't mean to imply that like nobody's gonna go, but 
like the the almost like the hype level because i'm totally in a mode now i'm not excited even for the batman it's kind of like oh yeah cool i am not up to hype levels until i know that like we're through this pandemic and there's a set release date and then i'll be like all right hype train is chugging along yeah i mean i used to always read the end of the year like i like this time of year i would start reading what's coming out in the following year and then you know and seeing oh i want to see that movie i'd look at the slate at release oh i want to see this one this one and it's not just with comic book movies with any movie but this year i'm not even like i'm not excited to do that i just i don't even care because i know at any moment these things are subject to change so i do think that I mean, obviously, if they release it on HBO Max, if, it, if they do decide after to release it in the theater anyway, I'm going to go see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. So I think people like us will do that. Um, I don't think the general audience will, though. And that's kind of where you make I, I money. I also feel so. like when they announce these postponements or possible postponements, it's kind of a way just to be like, hey, don't forget, we've got this in store for you. And it's like, it's almost well, like a way of advertising now, you know, yeah. like instead of having an ad or, you know, I'm because like I said, like, you know, Wonder Woman, you always find like the, you know, Batman, Superman on a bag of Doritos in the grocery store. And I feel like those, those bags have come and gone, you know? So right. it's kind of like, even that kind of form of advertising isn't around right now. So they have to do these like weird press release date postponement announcements. So. Well, I will say this, uh, this isn't nerd news or movie news or anything, but we did get good feedback on the first Pfizer vaccine, right? 90% effective, they said. Yeah. So that's a good sign that... Like Advil. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, but that's what we're looking at now. So we have something like that at least out there. Like, okay, maybe this is coming to an end. Or maybe this is getting to the point where we can get this vaccine and start living life normally again. And things can come... Um, you know, we can start you going to the movies. people take it. Because, like, you know, some people don't believe in flu shots either. So it's like... Well, I'm going to take it. And if I was allowed to, I would even do the early one, but I'm not, I'm not, you have to be either really sick with it or really sick or be over a certain age and to do the trial. So I'll just come and cough in your face and then that'll put you to the front of the line. You You have it? I'll get it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I blame Australia. That's who I blame for this happening. I blame Australia. Get their shit together. They need to get their shit together because I want to see this damn movie. That sounds familiar. Right? That sounds familiar. Uh, Good night, mate. One love. One love. (laughs) It's it's all love for me. It's all love. I poke fun, but I love it. Hey, look. Shout out to Tom Taylor and Nicola Scott, two of Australia's finest. Uh, John Samariva, too. He is the artist of the Batman TMNT Adventures comic book. He lives in Australia, so that guy is the bomb. Look at that. Look at what Lauer just gave us. That is beautiful right there. Segway. Segway. <laughs> yes. Back to so, back segways. So as we started the show with, we told you we were going to discuss the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated film that came out last end of last year, I think. The I Batman TMNT movie? Yeah. It came that out was June of last year. Yes. There we go. Sorry. My fault. It feels like it was 19 <laughs> years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I, I remember when I first heard they were doing it, I was kind of weird. I was kind of felt weird about it because I'm like, it's a, it's a Nickelodeon and Warner collaboration. And I wasn't sure what we were going to get. And we got Nickelodeon. Um, to me, we got the Nickelodeon artistry, like the drawing. It's something that from there, from that channel. But uh, Lauer. 
we yeah. Pete, I discussed this. Uh, Pete, I don't think you were on that show, so you didn't either. So you two, I will let you two run with the take the ball and run with this one. So Lauer, go ahead, man. All right. So there I was <laughs> in line at Target buying Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I bought it in my living room. <laughs> it's a movie based on the James Tynan and Freddie Williams series. I love James volume Tynan. One. Um, I love Freddie Williams. That guy's art is phenomenal. Um, there's conflicting of that that version came out and then it was announced that there was going to be another Batman Turtles crossover, but it was totally different and unrelated and mated the uh, Batman the Animated Series version with the 2012 Turtles cartoon version. And baby. fantastic series. Uh, yeah, but they drew inspiration from the Tynan version for this movie. I watched it. I actually got to see it early, thanks to uh, Batman on Film. Shout out to Bill Jetwing. And got to review it for Batman on Film. Shout out to Bill Jetwing. And then I was going to be on that podcast to talk about it. The Batman on Film. Shout out to Bill Jetwing. <laughs> podcast. But then we know how that ended. So yes. Shout out um, to PSENG. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Eric watched it then, but our own Peter Vera, I say our own, like this is my podcast, <laughs> my guest here, Peter Vera, he we're all family, we're all family, go ahead, just recently watched it for the very first time, now Peter, Peter, yes, <laughs> Peter, uh, you've heard us talk about it, what did you think of the movie? Uh, I really liked it. Um, I'm a big fan of Tynan's three volumes of Batman TMNT. I thought they were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did feel though, it is a kid's movie. Uh, I think the first like 20 minutes of the movie are the best parts of the movie. You know, uh, the turtles being in God, and, and it's different because where it differs is like, it seems to be in the animated movie, everything seems New York city where the turtles are from and Gotham where Batman is from seems to be in one world, you know, whereas in the Tynan book, there was a little bit of uh time travel or what uh, you know just inter separation yeah mm-hmm. so there's slight differences and it seems to kind of i think i feel like this movie almost combines the first two volumes a little bit of the tiny run uh but you know but the first like i said the first 20 minutes and seeing michelangelo in gotham and it's it's a sword umbrella and like what are these blimps for you know like really great stuff uh seeing batman fight the shredder for the first time really something that i really enjoyed um, I thought that it did get a little kitty at, at certain points and yep. when they kind of got to Arkham and there was kind of the, the, the mutations and stuff while very in character with what the Joker and everything, it just, it kind of took me out a little bit seeing Mr. Freeze as a polar bear and the Joker as a snake and stuff like that. And Harley as the, as much as I love Tara Strong, seeing her as a dog. I was going to say, you're, that's your girl right there, Tara I Strong. I love Tara. I'm looking, I'm looking at her picture right now. She's one of my best <laughs> friends so social media and one of my favorite interviews but uh but i really enjoyed it no i did i I mean i'm not as high on it as ryan but i thought it was cool and it's cool seeing a the blue batman which usually equals a lighter side of batman Mm -hmm. um and i I appreciate that and it was unique seeing damien this way he wasn't necessarily as much of a punk as normal and i feel like just in general people are really lightening on damien 
you know, just he's not as I feel like when Tomasi really started and Morrison started writing the character, he was kind of a, just a dick. And so it, was, which, it was the first animated version of Damien that I didn't hate. For me, it was Batman Ninja, but that's again like a totally different interpretation of Damien. But yeah, no, Damien's really kind of softened up over the past couple of years. Uh, but like, I, I thought the ending was cool. Uh, everything involving Batgirl, I really liked, and how she kind of was almost the bridge and just you know. Seeing Batgirl and Donatello interact is very interesting to me. That's that's a cool pairing. And Batman and Leonardo was fantastic. And just Alfred and Michelangelo was funny when Michelangelo like gave him the skateboard and just all that stuff. I mean, it, it, it was very good. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. But I do think like the first 20 minutes are the best that the movie is. Okay. Well, as Go much ahead. as you say that it's Kitty, I also got surprised with like some of its uh, maturity in the sense of like the, the blood fact, like not that it was like gushing with blood all over the place, but I there were some digitally. moments I was like- I didn't see blood. Like I saw um, when, when the guy in Arkham got beheaded, I remember Justin complained and he was like, oh, he's like, I don't know about this for his kids and everything. But uh, I remember it was kind of like, well, there's no blood. I mean, I get it. The guy's head just kind of like rolls around, but it did it, I was, from what I heard about the movie, I was kind of expecting it to be more violent dude. and it wasn't. Dude, the part where, where Shredder stabs the guy through his from the through the back and you see the sword just sticking out of his like here, yeah, that was pretty graphic. That was a pretty graphic shot. I, I mean I, again, like, gotta... my parents were really lenient. Like I watched Robocop as a <laughs> kid. So like I'm not the best person to talk about. Like, I, I, like I'd be like, yeah, like I, I watched this. Like, you know, I'm I had Sunday dinner and I watched the Sopranos like as a child. So like again, I'm not the best judge when it comes to this stuff. I, my, unless there were I don't yeah, so that's I wasn't like offended no. or like how dare they? It it surprised me a little bit of like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Because like you'd said, I think of uh, the the blue blue suit of Batman and the yellow oval, hashtag yellow mm -hmm. oval. Uh, I, I thought, oh they're going to you know it's definitely this is PG and then it's PG 13. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then a couple of the blood moments, which was not gratuitous or anything like that. It was still just a little surprising. Uh, that's all. Yeah. I still think of it as a kid's movie. I would not like, we talked about Ruby Spears, Superman earlier. Yeah. I, I still would let my kids watch this. Oh yeah. I'd have a second thought about it. Like at least in my opinion, if I had kids, I don't have kids. So I'm not a parent. So <laughs> the strategic pairings too, like it was Batman, Leonardo yeah. and, uh, Raphael and Damien and uh, Donatello and Batgirl. Mm -hmm. Like they, the the pairings of the characters were yeah. Even the finale yeah. of like you know what we've seen Batman fight Ra's al Ghul. So you have Batman fighting Shredder, and then you have I think it's Leo and Donnie yes. fighting yeah Raz. Yeah, and I, that's the cool action too. was great. The fight scenes uh -huh. were masterful. They were Batman versus the Turtles the first time, and how it's funny how Leonardo mentions like it's almost like he was studying us, not necessarily engaging with us but dodging us, learning our movements and it's just how the turtles are a little bit slightly more aggressive. And it's just funny. Cause like Donatello's like, or it was a Raphael's like, it's going to take more than that to knock me down. And Batman's like, I don't know, shock mode, 5,000 volts. And it like shoots him, you know? <laughs> oh, that's a total Raph dick move right there. But it's cool because at one point, like even Batman's like the turtles, you, you go home. You're, you're, you're not well disciplined enough, blah, blah, blah. And the, the turtle and Michelangelo had to like convince Batman to let, let them fight. And I was like, okay, that's a very touching moment. And like, I could see the yeah. good stuff in there and I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, for something that's like, you never really think you'd see something like this. And when the comics announced, like the, for the first volume, you're like, oh, wow, this is great. Like, 
I've been waiting for this. And then you get three volumes, then the additional series. And then they yeah. do this movie and you're like, wow, like, thank you. Like, I, I appreciate that. It's a pairing I never really thought I'd see, especially the after ch- Turtles 3. <laughs> childhood coming to life of when yeah. we combined, you know, um, all of our action figures yeah. on our bedroom floors. And it's like just a fraction of that, which sounds like corny and shit, but it's kind of like, no, because as you grow up, you learn how the world works. And it's like, oh, these people own these characters. These people own these ones. Money is to be made. They're not going to bring them together. And yet they did in multiple versions in multiple ways. And so yeah. the, the movie was just icing on the cake. Sorry, it was just dew in the glass. Um, <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, it's just pepperoni on the pizza. <laughs> um, but like, uh, I was like, I lost it. I feel like these like pairings didn't really start honestly until like Freddy versus Jason. I felt like that was like the test ground for like intercompany crossovers and just icons meeting icons. And then, you know, except the verses there made sense. Like here, it was a maybe three minute sequence. And then they were friends and everything was all Yeah, but well. then there's like, like the ah, verses and ideology and how to go about things. And like I said, like even Michelangelo had to convince Batman to let them say so. It lasted for a pretty amount. Like they weren't necessarily fighting each other, but it was mostly a trust factor. And Batman's always the cynic. So like it made sense to me. Eric, did you read the comic? I did not. You did not. So you've only seen the movie. I've only seen the movie. Um, definitely most of the, I think a lot of parts drawn from that series, including the turning the um the the big arkham scene of turning the villains into good representations of like the animals and stuff you know like of course the joker and the snake that's in the comic i think it's a i think it is a cover which is like an arkham and then it's got all the characters morphed into something if not then it's a big like spread page i did miss splinter in the movie though like i'm kind of upset splinter didn't show up He's kind of my least favorite. What? How can you say it's, that? It's only okay. And I say that's like saying I don't love. like Alfred. Totally different. Um, Splinter is just kind of he talks too slow. Like you go to those live action movies, but then you like Yoda. Like, I am oh. here until. I Oroku am not. <laughs> yeah, Orokusaki all of a sudden he speeds it up. Orokusaki. Yeah. But um, I, I didn't, I don't know how he could have factored in more because he would have just gone on and taken, I mean, I guess that could be a pretty cool scene to, to watch him fight uh, Raz. Yeah, but I, I guess it's, I guess it's like you said, but, just for fluidity. You know, because mm-hmm. like Splinter fight has to have a fight with Raz and it's like, well, then where's Leonardo's fight with Raz? Yeah. But I also liked how the I liked how the turtles introduced their van. Like I thought that was cool. I enjoyed that. Um, just mm. all the technology stuff between Donatello and Batgirl, like I said earlier, was a pleasure to watch. Um, it was cool watch. I, I, like, does, did does Batman have like a no pizza rule? Because like Batgirl carbs, I, man. Oh, yeah. he, keeps, he can't keep that body if he's throwing <laughs> carbs on there. Because you know? Batgirl and, and Robin were kind of like, do we eat this pizza? What's going on here? I, 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 I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. Isn't the, the, the beginning too, I like the little, the fun little Easter egg of how he's in the, the cave and he's drinking out of his Superman mug? Yes. Did you I see that? that? <laughs> I also love the nods to like the original Eastman covers, you yes. know? 
Like I thought in the, in the opening sequences, I thought that was brilliant how they did stuff like that. And then at the end of the movie, the how they incorporated them on actual comic book covers. And you, you, I thought that was great. How awesome would that have been to be uh, like a graphics, a person with graphics for the movie of just like, hey, grab comic book covers and let's mesh the two the two worlds together, not just on Batman and detective covers, but some uh, TMNT covers too, and bringing in, and those were like, man, those, those are just awesome. Mm-hmm. It's weird because it's like, just hear me out. Cause like, you, <laughs> you okay. know how like Logan, the black and white edition of Logan was like a huge hit. Yeah. How, cause the original Ninja Turtle comics were black and white. Would you want to see this movie in black and white as kind of like an homage to that? Like, I think that well, would be kind of cool. Here's the thing. You can. Just got to change your contrast on your TV. <laughs> That's a valid point. You, sh- you could do that. But that takes effort. And I say that and I'm like, nah, I don't want to have to do that. So then, <laughs> then I'll go buy the, the black and white version. Right? Exactly. Um, because I, I sit and I watch Logan in black and white more than I watch it in color. Oh, nice. It just, it just looks cool to me. There's something about out. that movie in black and white. Like, I was like, well, I never would have thought about this. It's the kind of movie it is. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Um, before they did you stick all the way through the credits yes for the post credit scene yeah so I mean where's that sequel I mean granted we're only like a year and a half from its first release but I mean come on let's give us a sequel I'd be down for it a little uh, Schroker what would you call it Schroker it kind of gave me vibes of like Kevin Nash and in Secret of the Ooze at the end. Yeah. You know, when he comes up in that spandex uh, ab presentation that he's got going on there. It's a super shredder. (laughs) Although I had that action figure and that one was one of my favorites. I was like, dude, this shredder is amazing. I was not happy with the latest incarnation of shredder. The Michael Bay shredder wasn't a fan. Uh, I, t- I, like I talked about it with uh, the Minnesota's action figure. The action figure. Minnesota's finest, um, Garrett Grav. Shout out to Garrett Grav. Uh, that I actually like those. I like the first I one. Too, I can't guess. get through the second one. I don't like the you second can. one. They, they, I think they, they, Casey they, Jones is. I mean, Stephen Amell is not. He, I like Stephen Amell. Shaggy hair. Th- this guy, he he kind of has a little bit of a squeaky voice, you know. Yeah, like just... when he talks normal, and that's kind of how he was in Casey Jones. But you have um, failed this podcast. I loved what yeah. the Stockman. I thought Stockman was great. Yeah, he was a hoot. Um, <laughs> I've never I, been I paid, like... so I'm a hostage. <laughs> they, did, they did this. <laughs> they did the. Uh, they did this with the live action movies in the '90s. Of the first one, they tried to go grittier, closer to the comics, and then the second one, they lightened it up Lighter. like the cartoon yeah. series. And I think these this latest incarnation, no the. The first one in uh, 2014 was not like dark and gritty, but you compare it to the second one where yeah. it went a little sillier and lighthearted and stuff. Like they did the same thing, and I'm kind of I don't understand why. But didn't whatever. we just get a report that they're doing they're remaking live action rebooting. turtles movies? Rebooting, I think, or rebooting, yeah, rebooting. maybe rebooting. They're doing yeah, because uh, it's the second one the didn't two. make the second one didn't make money. Yeah. I also like. I didn't. I didn't hate on it. It wasn't my favorite design for the for the the Bay the Bay movie. Well, he gets a lot of that. Transformers people hated too. I actually yeah. don't mind the way them. he did what he did with Transformers. Oh. And it's funny because that's like nobody remembers who directed the movies. They say the Michael Bay Turtle movies. Yeah. When it's like it was his producing company, 
which yes they have a lot of say in everything yeah. but uh he they he did not platinum direct them but yeah platinum dunes and i think it's jonathan liebsman that uh directed mm-hmm. the first one yes but like i don't know like i didn't mind the designs like i bought the figures and but like Shocker. there's some there's something that's just really charming with the 90s live action ones and using the suits yeah. you know it's, like going they gave them real rips. <laughs> you know i was yeah. like where's all these people where are all these people complain about sonic the hedgehog for the ninja turtles yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why didn't you guys complain about this but i like i said like it's passable it was fine um yeah that's it i know i'm in a i'm in a small minority of ones that that liked the movie because a lot of people they didn't and justifiably so like i get it it's for me it's just kind of like i'll follow the turtles no matter what the story is as long mm. as the characters are true to character and i, I like thought Shell they Shock. were so i like that song i do too um it's not vanilla ice but it's up that's okay ninja 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 rap um you got laura kind of looks like vanilla ice we give him a we just do we'll do a little we'll we'll shave the the eyebrow a little bit the lines in the eyebrow i can't i can't think of his name now the voice of razal ghul from the animated series he was the doctor in secret of the use in the second one and when vanilla ice when Vanilla Ice is singing, they cut to him and he is just old white man dancing, going, Yeah, that's <laughs> throwing funny. those arms. It is incredible. I love when he finds that gigantic dandelion. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I loved oh it when Damien was like, You fly, and then stop him, <laughs> throw up. Oh, and he's like, You are pathetic. <laughs> I I thought it was, they, oh, they dropped a, the, they, I think it might have been. It was one of the turtles that did it, but they threw like a smoke pellet and said, Ninja, vanish. Leonardo. Yeah. From uh to um in the Shredder's right hand man it. from the live action movies. Yep. The I angry man with the mustache. Yeah. 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 He's like, Ninja, vanish. That guy's been Harris, in so many movies. What do you think about the uh sorry, what do you think about the animated movie? You let us talk and that was dangerous. <laughs> Which one? The TMMT animated movie? Yeah. The Batman TMNT. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the uh, the. All right, so machine. so I watched it again, uh, because I knew we were going to do the show. So I said, let me watch it again. I haven't seen it in a while. I put it on. Uh, definitely this time I kind of I'm more siding with Pete that I didn't realize how kiddie it was the first time I saw it. Like, there's a lot of parts of it that I'm kind of like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, and if, if if I was a kid, I'd love it. Like those. those a lot of great. Michelangelo, which yeah. is almost fitting, but like I get it, you know. Yeah, so I kind of side with him a little on this one, but still, the, like Pete said, the first twenty minutes are incredible. So well done. Um, I like the whole men- the Batman mentoring role that he mm-hmm. you know go- segues into in in the movie. Uh, again, I still can't believe, like you said, it's not that crazy, but the whole beheading stuff and uh, you see heads rolling, and and I keep thinking it's a Nickelodeon, <laughs> it's a Nickelodeon thing. So you're kind of like, oh. You know, but um, no, overall, I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it. I thought the end was a little drawn out when I watched it this time. One thing that okay. really stuck out to me was just how Shredder just took like this verbal abuse, abuse from Roz. Like, I've never seen anyone put down the Shredder like that and him just take it. Like, and it just like, so does that mean like that just goes to speak on how powerful and how I guess just evil Roz really race Roz, whatever someone's going to complain. So I said it both ways. He really is, you know, for, for the shredder to just sit there and kind of take a back seat to race. Like shredder. It's impressive. 
he really wanted that Lazarus. He really wanted the Lazarus pit. He was very, very. Mm-hmm. So I think he was just kind of playing his role because he's like, yeah, this is what I want. Um, but I can't ever say I've ever seen Shredder like no. that in any form of media. No, I found no, no. that very interesting. No, this was the more uh, sedate version. We got a more sedate version of the character because mm-hmm. uh, everywhere else we see him, he's just completely ruthless. Yeah, um, even on the cartoon, like the original cartoon that was on. When Shout out to Uncle Phil. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> even that. Um, he was much more ruthless than I thought in this film. Those turtles. But uh, uh, the, the design for Shredder was great. Yeah, I wish. The design for Shredder was great. Um, in the comic book, does Splinter feature more? Is he yes. more of a central figure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe a little bit more of him. I know you don't like him, Lauer. <laughs> I remember. <Hold> on. <laughs> Doesn't mean I don't like him. It's just my least favorite in the turtle okay. world because, as I was explaining, you know, he yeah. talks so slow. Yeah, he walks off. Um, Except for Arukasaki. I thought it was interesting because I believe, I don't know if when I talked to Tynan on ELTD, if he brought this up or if I heard this on another podcast, but there was at one point when he was writing uh, Batman TMNT, when Michelangelo like runs over Alfred with the skateboard and the pizzas, like Michelangelo didn't apologize and he kind of made a joke about it. And then Nickelodeon got back to Tynan was like, Michelangelo wouldn't do that. He would apologize. <laughs> And I thought I found that interesting, and I was waiting for that scene in the movie, and he didn't really apologize until well after at the end of the film. So I thought that was interesting. But I remember I remember hearing Tynan talk about that how Nickelodeon had a lot of input in how the turtles were characterized in that book. I think yes. it's the it's his best Batman work. Tynan's is the turtle crossover stories. I'm going to lean towards his detective, but that's for another show. The Batman Book Club. A three-hour one <laughs> on BatmanOnFilm.com's podcast. The Batman. Shout out to Bill Jet Ramey. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so over, yeah, over, but overall, to answer your question, I still enjoyed it. Like, watching it mm-hmm. the second time, it wasn't, you know, I didn't watch it that time. Like, okay, when is this over? I wasn't, like, looking yeah. at the time. I still enjoyed it. It's just, like with anything, when you watch something more, you start to critique it more, and that's just what happened here. So, but It's I, also I, long longer than most of the dc animated movies like yeah, it, was, it was it by about 10 15 minutes so i mean yeah. i i like it but definitely i can see your point of like oh they probably could have shed some minutes yeah I yeah the, the end was a little drawn out i mean the fight scenes were cool though like the yeah. the, the batman shredder part two and then uh the the ray shraz against leonardo and Don- that was a really cool mm-hmm. fight I always that's always amazing to me how they do it in animation, how they do these make these fight scenes look so flawless. It's like those guys are incredible. They really are. When you think about it, you know, obviously now it's a lot more computerized, but even way back when, like when they was drawn on page and they were flipping pages and it's inspired by Ruby Spears. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, probably inspired by Ruby Spears. So now see we come full circle. We have Ta-da! closed the circle of this show. So, Lauer? Yeah. Plug away, man. Plug away. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> um, we're talking Batman Ninja Turtles because it was uh, Batman Ninja Turtles week on the Batman Book Club. Whoa, whoa. Um, where Garrett Grav, remember him, Minnesota's finest, joined me to talk about the Batman TMNT adventures. 
the one written by Matthew Manning, drawn by John Samariva. And then I also, that episode was released with the Batman Book Club. And then just today on Thursday was dropped uh, the interview with Matthew Manning. It's an awesome interview, very nice guy. And kind of like this episode, he allowed me to keep talking. <laughs> and then he kept talking and he answered a lot of questions. He shed a lot of light on the behind the, the making of the series, which was awesome to kind of get into, um, get to know that, you know, get into that world. And uh, I, mean, I don't know, the, the Batman Ninja Turtles week, it may have an encore. I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know. So uh, follow the Batman Book Club wherever you get your podcasts. And the Twitter account, at TheBatmanBC, as well as my Twitter, at Lauer underscore Ryan. Pete? Spelled like Lauer. Thank you. <laughs> you could find me on all forms of social media, at Pete Illustrated. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Zack Snyder's favorite bureau. Uh, please make sure to follow Straight Outta Gotham on Instagram and Twitter at straight underscore O underscore G. Uh, please make sure you enter in our monthly podcast con- rate and review contest where uh, just you know write us a review, as we mentioned earlier in the show. And if we read it on air and we pick you, we will send you a surprise prize pack. Uh, please uh, join our Facebook group uh, on, obviously, Facebook. <laughs> and please like our Facebook page on Facebook. Um, and just, you know, uh, interact with us, talk with us, set, set, shoot us emails at uh, the straight OG podcast at gmail.com. So we can do another mailbag show. We love doing those. Um, we're trying to catch up to Lauer. I think he's got three mailbag shows on us. I think so. Yeah. I think he's got a, a few more than we do, but we really enjoyed doing the last one. So yeah, guys, keep those questions coming in. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at, um, I can't even talk. Here we go. At finally 33, spell finale 33. Also, same hand on Instagram. Pete took care of all the show stuff, but again, straight on a squirrel on a Sergi for Twitter, the Facebook page, the Facebook group. Um, just look for Straight Out of Gotham over there. Just do a search and join us because we like having discussions with people uh, who love the stuff that we love. So, uh, we will be having, there will be another Iceberg Lounge this month probably towards the end of the month. So we'll be doing something there. The show hasn't been planned yet, but we're definitely going to be. Turktacular. Yeah. (laughs) Eric, Eric. Yes. Yes. Happy birthday, Eric. Oh, Oh, is it your birthday? It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's, it's this, we're recording on uh, November 12th. My birthday is November 14th. So it's two days from now. So guys, as a birthday present to me, Please listen to the show. Follow us everywhere. Give us ratings. Write us a review. Write us a review. Yeah, we could we could send your concerns about the Batman Book Club to <laughs> Finale Thirty Three. <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't edited it in a while though, so I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to give me some more to edit. I don't know why. You've okay. been handling all of well, it. Well, it's not my fault. I've given them like seven different show ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not your your fault. So, uh, but uh, Ryan, again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. And thanks for discussing, finally getting your Batman vs. TMNT thoughts on a podcast. I am cleansed. So now I feel free. We've done that for you. We've given you that, that, uh, that, like you said, that cleansing. That Thank you. That you appreciate it, boys. I like you both. You're both, you know, you both do good things. Do the Lord's work. Oh, shucks. We try. We try. (laughs) We try. Pete, any closing thoughts? Or are we just going to wrap this up? Wrap it up. Okay. So for Ryan Lauer and Peter Vera, I am Eric Holzman. This is Straight Outta Gotham. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Booyah.